WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems, help inform you about what kind of latest automotive news there is, uh, go through some of the uh, interesting questions I get through the email. The email? How old am I? Um, And... uh, you know, people email me and ask me different things about different car problems, so we'll try to help them with that. And also car choices, uh, just uh, working on a column for Newsday. And uh, people are very interested in the new Honda CRV, and we actually talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So interesting with that car, it's uh, in the upper trim levels, and they don't really even make a big deal out of it. They just say, you know, in the touring, it happens to be a hybrid. So we'll talk about that. Also talk about the car that got me around this week, which was the... Uh, Kia EV6, an all-electric Kia. Uh, interesting experience with that car. We'll talk about that. I, I did uh, drive it to uh, from here on Cape Cod down to Providence and back. We'll talk about the charging situation on the way. Uh, but if you have, you know, I think we've all dreamed about not being stuck in traffic and, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, if you have, you know, if you're somebody who, who maybe works for i don't know uber eats or amazon or something like that and you get stuck in traffic and you're like if i could only just fly over the traffic that would be so helpful or that you know that uh you know tractor trailer that jackknifed in the middle of the road that's keeping me from going where i have to go wouldn't it be great to have a vehicle that could uh, get me there well with us on the phone is sant satya he is the ceo of luft car and uh he's here to tell us about uh what they have in store, which is a sort of a flying delivery vehicle. Is that right, Sant? Uh, yes, great to be here, John. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes, it's going to be a flying delivery vehicle. We also call it the logistics vehicle. It's basically a flying forklift that can lift uh, any road vehicle up in the air and, and take it forward up to 300 miles. Um, the The concept of this is it's not... You know, it's not your traditional um, flying car because it, it really is designed for sort of um, maybe like medical conditions or, or, you know, medical transport or um, sort of that last mile delivery sort of thing where the, the vehicle would um, take off and land and then it would disconnect itself from the uh, flying portion, and then you drive the last way to make deliveries or go to a hospital or or deliver goods and services uh, to places that are hard to get to. Is that correct? Uh, yes. The whole concept is pretty much uh, like, similar to a drone. It's a larger-sized drone that can carry larger payloads. So instead of carrying small boxes, we would carry a road vehicle. So the, the docking mechanism that we came up with is our intellectual property, but yes, uh, the original thought process was to airlift air ambulances or small mobile hospitals uh, through longer distances to take to uh, distant communities that don't have access to good health care. And uh, that's what started it. But then this could also be used to take cargo, to take foods, uh, to take other services like, like in- industrial inspection to distant places. Yeah, it could be a delivery, last mile door-to-door delivery 
and also for uh, air ambulances. And what's interesting about this is it's a um, it's the propulsion system. You're you're envisioning a combination of both battery electric and hydrogen. Is that correct? That, that is correct. So what we understood early on, uh, two years ago, when we started the company, is that to achieve the distances and to achieve the larger payload capability, batteries alone will not make it because batteries are heavier. Batteries take a long time to charge. So we went on with hydrogen fuel cell electric propulsion. So the hydrogen fuel cell also has got a battery component for the vertical thrust, but it's the hydrogen electric fuel cell that gets you that longer distance. And we've already demonstrated hydrogen fuel cells in the car industry. I used to work at Ford Motor Company, built 300 hydrogen cars back in the day. So the technology is feasible, but now with, with, a, with so much effort in making hydrogen commercially available, these vehicles have a great chance of, of being commercial with low-cost fuel. But hydrogen is the answer for long distance and heavy payload capability. And um, the the idea, the kind of the concept behind this, uh, where the wing unit, or I, I think when I saw some some uh, concept photos of this, it has uh, four vertical takeoff uh, type um, propulsion units. Yes, we have actually six propellers. Six, six okay. Six propellers based on recommendation from the Federal Aviation Authority, FAA. There are more YouTube videos online. You can go to our website, luftcar.com, L-U-F-T-C-A-R.com, and there is a, a very cool video right there. We are still at the prototype stage. We are building a prototype right now, so I don't want anybody to think that we are already flying or we have a demonstrated product out there. So we are, we are still developing the prototype. But the concept has been verified with independent agencies and with the University of Connecticut and, and several other groups. Except for the the uh, the idea of the vertical takeoff, well, except for a, a whole lot of things, the the propulsion systems and the vertical takeoff, this sounds very. I think it was back in the '40s, and maybe it was a company, it was Fuller or something that had a had like a realistic looking car with a wing set that you kind of flew the vehicle to an airport. You disconnected the wings, and then you could drive kind of normally as a car after that. So the, the concept kind of in some ways has been around for a while. Do you envision like v- the terminology is a VTOL, VTOL, is it vertical takeoff and landing? Um, is it, do you envision like vertical takeoff airports kind of around the country so uh, people are able to uh, better access or better use your vehicle in the future? Uh, yes, absolutely. So for these EVTOL technologies to be popular, to be commercialized, you need these vertical ports where these vehicles can land and take off. And we have we are part of these vertiport projects across the country. In fact, uh, we are uh, part of a government project, which I cannot disclose yet of the details of it, but it's going to be in uh, some, some of the East Coast, uh, is that we will be building these vertiports, what we call as lift pads, where these vehicles can land and take off and where hydrogen will be available for refueling. And the beauty of this is that we could use existing regional airports, which are not being utilized to a great extent now. So this is an opportunity to revitalize these regional airports where these vehicles can land and take off, get refueled with hydrogen. But that same hydrogen can also be used to refuel trucks. You know, there are a lot of trucks coming up on the road now with hydrogen propulsion, hydrogen powertrain. So the, the, the regional airports are going to have a new life after this uh, technology. Yeah, where I live, I think there is one or 
two, there's one good-sized regional airport, a couple of smaller ones, and then there's even smaller, old, kind of grass strip gravel airports that still get used a little bit, but they're they're kind of hobbyist airports. And this could be this could be sort of new life for those as well, right? Absolutely, and we don't require to tear down lots of the existing infrastructure. All we need is to build a few helipads instead of these airports. And also build warehouses for companies like FedEx and UPS to operate these airports as their cargo hubs. Uh, so these, these airports will get a new life. They will become more like uh, they'll be much sought after, and uh, they're going to serve the communities that are depending on those airports. And um, you, the, the name of the company sounds German, but the company is, in fact, located in central Florida, right? Yeah, Luft is the only thing German about us. We are very <laughs> much an American company. And uh, we are based and we started out in central Florida, but now we are moving towards southern Florida. We are in, uh, I'm personally in West Palm Beach and we are working in Miami uh, quite a bit. Uh, but we also have another headquarters, and I would call this headquarters because of the kind of work that we do there, which is in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Ah. Uh, so we're we're almost neighbors then. Look at that. Um, so uh, we're, we're kind of in the, the timetable of you know, prototype development, and as you start to move forward, you're going to have to work with the FAA for the flying portion, but you're also going to have to work with NHTSA for the vehicle portion, right? Uh, Yes, that is what it is. But the thing is, uh, FAA has recognized that these kinds of concepts are going to be much more uncommon. So there is an advanced uh, technology evaluation group within FAA that looks at concepts like these which combine road and air. So they will help facilitate working with NHTSA, but you know, from, from our side, we will also work with NHTSA. But this is a place where all these um, uh, all, all aspects of DOT come under uh, in FAA. So and FAA has been doing a great job in, in uh, getting this EVTOL uh, configurations uh, verified and certified, and uh, they're, they're, they're very much engaged with what we're doing. And kind of looking at that timetable, like you said, you're you're working on a prototype stage now. You're you're not at the point of having, um, you know, having having a, a working working vehicle yet. Where do you where do you see your time frame going over the next ten or fifteen years? So we have very uh, clear immediate milestones. Uh, we will have a small scale prototype by September October time frame in time for the Dubai Air Show. And then we will have a two-seater vehicle, which we would give to FAA for certification by mid-next year. Um, so having said that, by end of 2025 or early 2026, we will have a five-seater vehicle prototype that we would give to FAA. And FAA typically would take two years from then on to certify vehicles and, and get them in the air. So we, we are looking at anything, anything between 27, 28 time frame for these vehicles to be commercially available to the public. But I would expect the cargo version would be available much earlier. So we are targeting 25, 26 time frame for the cargo vehicles to be operational. Um, and that that's a that's a very aggressive schedule. That um, you know, I was I was thinking you know much longer out, but this is a this is a very aggressive schedule that looks like you know in the next you know, five or six years, we could we could actually see your vehicles starting to do their job. Yeah, and, and part a lot of that is because of a very mature uh, supply chain. I mean, the supply chain has matured in the last three, four years with so much funding being available in this industry. 
and it's so many companies trying to do uh, different things in the advanced air mobility. Uh, so, and many of the big corporations like Honeywell and, and Cummins have all jumped into this industry, and and they are that there's a good supply chain that's out there for us to you know, take shelf, uh, components off the shelf and build our prototypes faster. So I don't expect this to be a 10-year project to get these things commercialized. It's going to be like three to five years. And it's interesting that you, you're going to try to be at the Dubai Auto Show, where if I had to pick any place in the any two places in the world where I would see something something that was flying and driving, it would either be Dubai or maybe Singapore. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I just came back from the Paris Air Show last month, and uh, where we I had this, I had a speaking opportunity, um, but we don't have a prototype yet to display there. But our next immediate uh, air show would be Dubai. But we plan to continuously display in all these subsequent air shows, including including Farnborough. Now, now there was recently a flying car company that I guess got some FAA partial certification but it's going to be it's going to be exactly that a flying car it's not going to be a work vehicle um and they're they're saying it's going to be in a 300 dollars range and interestingly they're if you want to buy one they're only requiring a 150 dollars deposit which i thought was sort of interesting um do you have any idea what kind of the five passenger or two passenger cargo version cost would be for this yet uh, we are targeting at around four hundred thousand to five hundred thousand dollars. We want this to be very affordable. We want people to uh, buy it across communities. We also want to operate a, on a renting model where people can just buy the car part of it and then can then get, they can rent the wing part of it, uh, which would make it a lot easier uh, to scale up. Um, so the price point that we are looking for for the total vehicle will be four hundred to five hundred thousand mm. dollars. And like you pointed out, the the air part of it is hydrogen powered. Uh, right now, although we have we have the ability to make a ridiculous amount of hydrogen in the United States, there isn't a lot of hydrogen refueling stations. But that's where you're thinking these regional airports could become refueling hubs, right? Uh, yes, exactly. And uh, I was at the Houston Hydrogen Expo just two weeks ago. I was amazed to see the amount of hydrogen refueling infrastructure that's being uh, created. Uh, lots of great companies out there, startups and even bigger companies, uh, doing hydrogen pumps. Uh, our challenge is to actually have cryogenic hydrogen or liquid hydrogen put in these vehicles, so we are still exploring. We are partnered with the Department of Energy's National Renewables Lab and also with a couple of large corporations, including Bosch Aviation. So um, by the time we get to commercialization, uh, I'm pretty confident that there will be uh, liquid refueling available, but even otherwise, we could still work with gaseous hydrogen refueling infrastructure. Now, we hear the term green hydrogen, and <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I, I don't actually really know what that means. Can you can you explain that to us? Yeah, sure. Green hydrogen is hydrogen that is produced from water through electrolysis, and that electricity uh, to electrolyze water comes from renewable power, like wind or solar or hydro or, or even nuclear. But it's nuclear, they call it pink hydrogen. But anyway, so it's green hydrogen is a very clean form of hydrogen with zero carbon footprint from one end to another. Um, and that's where I think the, the Department of Energy has put a lot of emphasis on is to make green hydrogen affordable to people and bring down the cost per kilogram. Um, and um, we are involved in the project on green hydrogen. And we are a vehicle that would create demand for green hydrogen. And uh, on that same note, we are partnered with the world's largest truck company, Pack Car, which owns uh, Kenworth and Peterbilt. 
mm-hmm. uh, as, as another fellow off-taker for the hydrogen infrastructure that we're going to put in these regional airports. Yes, but green hydrogen will be the way to go. Uh, it's, it's fairly expensive right now at uh, $5.5 or $6 per kilogram. But the target is to bring it down to $2 per kilogram on MNG, $1 per kilogram by 2030. That's the Department of Energy goals. And I have driven hydrogen-powered cars in the past, and and I'm not sure that hydrogen-powered cars are the answer, but certainly hydrogen-powered trucks, like you pointed out, uh, with uh, with uh, you know the big big trucking companies, that seems to be the that seems to be the real answer as over time eliminating those diesels and and powering those trucks with hydrogen rather than something like. Um, you know Tesla's cyber big cyber truck or or uh, Nikola's uh, uh, cyber or Nikola's electric truck. Hydrogen seems like it would be a a, a better answer than a, a big giant battery pack to me at least. Yeah, absolutely. Hydrogen is the long term answer, and we already had hydrogen technology 15 years ago in this country. I was working at Ford. You know, we we drove hydrogen cars on the road. It's just that. Hydrogen as a fuel carrier was not available in the market for us to use. Mm. So the batteries took over in the interim. So batteries are more of an interim solution. I come from, I come from the hydrogen camp, so the battery guy might not completely concur with me. Uh, unless we come up with a miraculous battery chemistry that could help you recharge the battery faster, get the batteries to be very lightweight, I don't see batteries offering any, uh, a long-term solution for sustainable transportation. But our batteries going to go away? They're not going to go away. They're going to coexist with hydrogen fuel cells because they have specific advantages with uh, power density and things like that. So we, we are looking for a happy coexistence with batteries, but uh, fuel cells will be probably a dominant part in propulsion going forward. That absolutely makes sense. Before we let you go, you, you said you worked for Ford Motor Company. Uh, so, some of your other um, senior level folks, do they have the same kind of background? They're scientists? Uh, uh, who do you have? Who do you have in the senior level of your company? Well, in my company, I got <clears throat> my VP for engineering is from U.S. Air Force. Um, I got another uh, senior executive from Lockheed Martin, and uh, we just hired a CTO from uh, a major defense company uh, that comes from Honeywell. Uh, so we got people who have been there, done that. Right? These are people that bought great products to market. These are great systems engineers. They understand business. So our biggest strength is our team. It, it certainly sounds it. And if people want to find out more information, uh, they can they can see some pretty cool videos, like you pointed out on YouTube. Uh, just sort of put in the search Luftcar L U F T C A R, right? Yes, L U F T C A R dot com. It, it sounds it sounds like. Uh, it's, it sounds like the future is getting closer and closer all the time, and, and the idea that someday we could either see your vehicles be used for medical transport rather than a, a helicopter that has to land somewhere. Maybe we could see your vehicles being used to transport uh, you know, medical uh, transport patients or medicine, for that matter, to places where they can't go. Or the next time I buy something from Amazon, who knows, maybe it's going to land in a regional airport and there's going to be a van that's going to come and drop it off and it's all going to be done with uh, zero emissions. That's the plan. It takes the whole community to, to make it happen. It, uh, the, the airports, the uh, FAA, um, the hospital networks, they all going to be part of this, and we are doing everything we can, and we're getting great support from the community and from the government so far. 
Seth, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program. It sounds like uh, the future looks pretty exciting. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here, John. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Have a good rest of your weekend. We need to take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Hey guys, it's Lexi James. And we're Cryer Creek. Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. Tune into Twilight Showcase Radio Sundays on 95.9WATD and 95.9WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook. And visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tomorrow night from 7 to 9 on 95.9WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. If you want to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Love to talk to you. Uh, let's talk about the car that got me around, and that is the Kia EV6. It's a... An impressive all-wheel, well, in this case, all-wheel drive, but it's an all-electric hatchback. It's available in rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive with three trim levels. I don't know why they just can't have normal-sounding names now. The Wind, which is one model, GT Line, and the Performance-Oriented GT. We had the opportunity to test that one. The base model Wind boasts a pretty impressive range of 310 miles on a full charge, while the GT model with all-wheel drive driven in full sport mode offers a reduced range of about 201 miles. Equipped with dual electric motors uh, and all-wheel drive, the EV6 delivers a pretty remarkable 576 horsepower. Now, I was at a car show yesterday, and there was a, I, I don't know, Z06 Corvette that was there, and it was a C6, I guess, and it was, you know, bragging on the fender, it was 405 horsepower. This is a hatchbacky sort of SUV-ish kind of thing, 576 horsepower. Uh, and it's not even just that. It's torque, which is even more. Uh, Kia uses a 77.4 kilowatt lithium-ion battery. It's an 800-volt battery, uh, which is a little different than uh, Tesla even uses a little bit lower voltage. Uh, Kia and Hyundai both use higher voltage batteries. Uh, safety is a priority in this uh, EV6. It has a comprehensive set of advanced driver assistance features. These include forward collision warning and assist, blind spot collision warning and assist, rear cross traffic alert, lane keeping warning and assist. You get the idea. Parking collision avoidance, um, safe exit assist so you don't open the door while somebody on a bike is riding by, um, remote control smart parking, which is a fun novelty. You know, you and and you know, you push the button and the car backs up and goes forward, whatever it does, with nobody in it. Um, it's kind of cute, but I don't know how. You know, other than if you park somewhere and somebody, you know, 
pulled right next to you so you couldn't get in and out of your driver's door. I guess. I mean, it's it's fun to show it off, but I don't know how real practical it is. Um, so what you end up with a car with sort of advanced driver assistance features, not quite self-driving. It does have a hands-free driving, and in fact, it'll even change lanes if you use a turn signal. Um, I found it was okay. I mean, keep your hands on the wheel, people. That's what you really should do. Uh, on the road, the EV6 uh, offers a comfortable and quiet driving experience. Excellent handling. Um, however, things change and when you switch to the sport mode. There's a green button sort of below the horn, and you push that button, and all of a sudden, this electric car transforms into a uh, Really high-performance car. It can go to 0 to 60 in a little over 3 seconds. Um, you know, that's a Porsche GT3 Ferrari-type range. I mean, it is really fast. The GT variant also features sporty suspension components, so when you hit the button, things firm up a little bit. It stiffens up the ride. Uh, if you prefer a little bit... Uh, more restrained driving experience, you can dial back the performances. Two additional settings, eco mode, which maximizes range and limits horsepower to 287, and normal mode, which offers a still pretty formidable 430 horsepower. The alternative settings also provide a slightly softer ride, so if you don't want that sports car firm ride, you dial it back a little bit, but when you push the green button, and especially if your foot is on the, I almost said gas, because there's no gas, it's foot is on the accelerator. Say you're pushing down about, I don't know, 20% of the accelerator. And as you push to, push that green button to go into GT performance, thing takes off. Um, so you have to, you just have to be a little bit aware of that. Also it has, I, I took uh, one of my coworkers for a ride and, um, he said, you know, what what kind of settings did it have? I said, it even has a drift mode. Now, I don't know who actually would go out fast and furious, you know, drift car racing with this, but it has a drift mode should you want to do that. Um, don't know who would. But um, but anyway, it's uh, handling's really good. It's had 21-inch wheels and tires on it. The steering's light enough at low speeds and firms up at higher speeds like a lot of cars do today. Um It's also, there's one other weird thing that I'm not a fan of. There's a button on the dash that you can push and you can get fake acceleration sounds. So if you miss the sound of a performance gasoline car because this is quiet, it gives you, you know, a Grand Theft Auto acceleration sounds. I don't get it. I don't know why you want fake engine sounds, but I guess some people do. Uh, in terms of charging, the EV6 offers um, some impressive capabilities. You can charge with a level 3 charger. Uh, you can charge with a level 2 charger. Or if you had a level 1 charger at home, um, you can do that. Interestingly, Kia didn't include a level 1 charging cable. So I don't have level 2 charging at home. I don't even know if my little cottage here can support adding an extra 40-amp electric circuit to my 100-amp circuit breaker panel. Um, but charging off a 20-amp outside plug with 110 volts or 120 volts, or I guess if you want to get technical, 117 volts, uh, would make you know day-to-day -day charging. So if I was driving 20, 30, 40 miles a day, I could plug it in and charge it back up. 
So here's what I did. I had to go to the AAA office in Providence. It is about a 100-mile trip from my house to the AAA office. At AAA, we currently have one level two charging station sort of out in front of the building. Uh, we are also have four level three charging stations that will be used eventually to charge up our Ford Lightning pickup trucks when we get them, uh, but they were not operational yet. And I didn't even know we had them. I haven't been to the AAA office in a year, I think. Uh, and it's remarkably remodeled. Uh, the bathrooms look like they should be in the Four Seasons. I mean, it's just they did a really, really nice job while the building was sort of empty. And we're having people coming back in three days a week now. So we're starting to see some more activity. Uh, the lunchroom is back to having a caterer there again. So for people who want to go to work at AAA, especially in the main office, you will find it very comfortable. Uh, nice office spaces, good cafeteria now. Um, and, you know, with uh, hot food and stuff. So... Uh, um, and fantastic bathrooms. Uh, but anyway, so I plugged into, I had to go there to, for all things, to get my picture taken. Uh, I do something, I do, a, I, one of the columns I write ends up on the WPIX uh, website up in New York. And we had an older picture, and the picture that is used of me in social media and other places is, I bet it's got to be getting close to 10 years old. Nobody knows where their picture is. Nobody knows where it came from. Well, we know where it came from, but nobody knows where it actually is. It's been reduced and copied. And, you know, it's uh, unfortunately when you kind of reproduce even a digital image enough times, people make it smaller and bigger and change it. And so they want a new picture of me. And I'm a terrible photography candidate because I never smile. Um, so I had people trying to tell me jokes. It was, it was funny, but anyway, so I drove in, I used about a hundred miles of range when I got the vehicle, it was pretty much fully charged. Um, so I used about a hundred miles of range had about, I think 80 miles left, maybe, um, plugged into the level two charger, uh, for about almost an hour and a half. Drove the car down the street. We had to take some more pictures. Drove the car back. Plugged it in for like another 45 minutes on level 2 charging. Probably only added 15 miles worth of range in what amounted to probably almost two hours of charging time. So it's a it's a, it's a a 40 amp level 2 charging system. I think it would have taken about eight hours to fully recharge the batteries. Well, on the way back home, I stopped at the Cape Cod Mall. And at the Cape Cod Mall, they have a variety of charging stations. Uh, Bosch has one. Uh, um, Electrify America has one. Um, and I think ChargePoint has, has some. So I pulled up and I found the uh, Electrify America one first, way on the outskirts of the mall, which is kind of by design, I bet, because the Electrify America charging systems had uh, 50 amp or 50 kilowatt charging systems, 150 kilowatts, and 350 kilowatts. So at first, I didn't realize that I pulled up to the one that said 150 and 150. I pulled up to that. I plugged in, 
for a minute or two and then I realized, oh, there's a 351 over here. Let's unplug and go over there. So I sh- shut it off, unplugged it, went over there, plugged into the higher one. Uh, there was a guy in a Volvo or a, a Polestar um, who saw me start to drive away with the little door open. He's waving to me. I said, no, no, I'm just backing up to the next one over. Um, in about 20 minutes, I got about 90% of the battery life back. So I added um, uh, maybe 180 miles, almost maybe even a little bit more than that in about 20, 22 minutes. And I guess the reason they don't have them right in front of the mall is they don't want people to park there and then, you know, go have lunch. They want people to park there, sit there and charge for 20 minutes, you know, scroll through Facebook or whatever people do, you know, do a TikTok video while you're there. And then um, when you're done, you know, move on. In fact, they actually, I believe, have a once your car's charged up and you're not moving added fee to get you to move. Uh, but that recharge that took about 22 minutes, added about 180 miles of range, cost me $9.60. The first couple minutes that I charged at the station that I didn't end up staying at, um, there was no charge for that. Uh, it came back to zero because I probably didn't use, realistically didn't use any electricity for the very short period of time I was there. So... Um, so I got about 180 miles of range for less than $10. Um, somebody said to me, well, it's about, about what a Prius is paying for gas. I'm like, not even. I mean, if a Prius is getting 50 miles per gallon, three-ish, three-and-a-half gallons of gas is going to cost more than more than that. I mean, right now gas is 350 360 a gallon. I think I paid 365 the last time I got gas. So you're going to pay 9 10 11 almost $11 for gasoline to do the same distance that I did for about $9.60 or 80 cents or whatever it is. So um, level 3 charging, definitely the way to go if you want to charge quickly. Level 2 charging, if it's at home, plug in when you get home at night even if you used up that 200 and 250 miles of range it'll it will recharge overnight uh so it will you know it will be able to take care of it you'll have the same range the next day but if you're relying solely on level two charging because you don't have level two charging at home and what is around you is municipal spots that maybe have level two charging um it's it's not going to work very well in fact, I drove the car down to um, a park and ride that had uh, it had uh, charge point electric vehicle charging. And interestingly, it was free because it was, um, I guess, the state is trying to encourage people to do kind of charging and then, you know, take the bus into Boston or whatever. Um, there were four or six charging stage. well, I think it was four four charging stations. Each one has two cables, so you know up to eight cars could charge there. There was about f- there was four or five cars there. Kind of an interesting mix: a Chevrolet Leaf, a, Liv- a Rivian pickup truck. I think there was a Tesla Model Three that was there, uh, which was sort of odd to actually see it there. And um, and and I pulled in. So I pulled in and I did the same thing. I kind of sat there for a while, tinkered around, and went. Okay, I'm bored. It's a warm day. Um, you know, good if you're, you know, if you're there at the park and ride. 
you know, if you're going to be there, plug in. You come back at the end of the day when the bus drops you back off, your car's fully charged. And if you're doing it there, you're doing it for free. Not far from there, there's a, there's a vocational school, uh, Cape Cod Vocational. And they actually have um, charging stations at their school, but you pay a fee for those where the park and ride ones are free, which is, which is kind of neat. So, so if you are thinking about electric, um, the Kia EV6, especially the GT version, you know, if you're looking for a supercar almost, uh, it, will, it will do just about everything you need to do. And how much does this car cost? Uh, I happen to have the Monroney window sticker right in front of me. Um, delivered, including all options, uh, $62,865. And I am willing to bet, I mean, even though $62,865 is a lot of money, I am willing to bet that you are not going to find this kind of performance for sixty-three grand. Uh, it's pretty impressive performance. So, uh, so if you're thinking about something like that, uh, certainly, you know, certainly good. Uh, the a couple of criticisms: the infotainment system, like everyone, tends to be a little bit, um, you know, a little bit annoying to use sometimes. Too touch based. Also, rear visibility backing up. You need the backup camera. It, there, if you try to turn around and look out the rear window, you aren't seeing much. So the backup camera is really helpful. Uh, there is a small, tiny amount of storage in the frunk. So what's a frunk? Front trunk, and uh, and good storage in the back. So uh, and like all electric cars, it doesn't have a spare tire. So what what was other thing was kind of interesting about this vehicle too it where you would plug it into charge you could plug a unit into that and then plug an extension cord into that so you could use the battery in this as a generator and you could you know if you had a power failure you could run the refrigerator in your house you could run a small air conditioner um you could uh you know next time jesse goes to a football game he could run his blender or refrigerator, or both. So a uh, kind of a neat little option, too. So in conclusion, the uh, Kia EV6, incredible performance car. However, it does come with uh, some trade-offs between range and performance for day-to-day driving. Personally, I would probably go with something like the wind version. Um, not the same performance, a little bit lower price, and uh, longer range. But if you, want, if you want to be out there with the likes of a you know, Porsche 911, this thing, this thing rips to zero, was zero to sixty, and I think it's, I think, Kia actually says three point four seconds or something like that. So, um, pretty interesting vehicle. If you want to join us, our phone number is seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. Uh, love to talk to you and see what's in your mind, uh, on your mind. Uh, I believe we have Tom from Pembroke online. Tom, good morning. Hey, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. And along those lines, uh, at the park and ride, you won't have your catalytic converter cut out. <laughs> that that did that happen to you? No, no. no. But I, I hear it all the time at those yeah. park and rides, and yeah, it's all no. day to do it. You know. Yeah, and and I and I got to tell you that you know back you know in the olden days. Um, you know, there, there was, you know, there was, uh, and I used to have one in my toolbox. There was a, it was sort of a, um, 
kind of looked like a chain wrench sort of thing. It was, but it was what it was was a bunch of cutting wheels, like the same kind of cutting wheel that would be on a you know a pipe cutter. And it was they were wrapped around a chain. And if you were trying to cut exhaust pieces off without using a torch or or something, you would wrap this chain around it. You'd rock it back and forth. It because the chain wrapped all the way around the pipe, you only had to make about a you know quarter of a turn back and forth and would cut through the pipe, providing it wasn't too too rusty. And you know it was kind of handy for you know, awkward places to cut exhaust off. Now you can go, you can buy a battery sawzall for $35 and whip, yeah, whip through the exhaust pretty quick. And, um, yeah. you know, there, there was, uh, um, you know, there was some legislation in Massachusetts that, you know, one of the reasons, you know, people steal catalytic converters is because they're easy to sell. You know, they, they take a, they take a pickup truck full of them to a salvage yard or a, or, and, you know, they, they sell them. Nobody asks where they came from. Uh, nobody wants any kind of identification. So, you know, the, the, um, there's a state rep in Massachusetts that filed a bill that said, you know, if you are going to be buying catalytic converters at the salvage level like that, um, you need to get identification from the person who's selling them to you, and you need to pay for them with a check. Um because that way they need to, you know, they need to, you know, if they say, hey, I'm John Mickey Mouse Smith, and you write out the check to them and they go try to cash it, um, they got to prove who they are. And if their license or whatever doesn't say, you know, John Mickey Mouse Smith on it, they can't cash the check. So I don't know where that ever went. Um, maybe we'll have to we'll have to get them back on to talk about that. But at least that might slow it down a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've. I can only imagine, you know, I've cut exhaust off of the Sawzall before. I mean, you can you can hack through, you know, the front and back exhaust pipes off a muffler in, a, you know, a minute or two with a cordless Sawzall. So you crawl under, the, you crawl under, especially if it's a an SUV, something like a, you know, a Highlander or something like that. Um, you go under and do it. My nephew works for an insulation company. They have um, four or five box trucks and... Uh, they came in. He he gets into work about five thirty in the morning. He went out to start up the trucks. You know, five out of six had no exhausts on them because somebody came in the middle of the night, cut the catalytic converters off, left the last one because I think they thought it was a diesel. So they didn't. Oh they, my God. They, yeah, they didn't bother. But um, and then they he ended up. He's kind of a. Uh, a handyman kind of guy. Uh, so he said to his boss, I'll just order all the parts. I'll put the, the new catalytic converters on. And I think they were hit a second time. And they, they're behind a locked chain link fence and they got cameras. But, you know, the, the people had, you know, hoodie sweatshirts pulled up, you know, sucked down over their face with glasses on and you couldn't tell who they were. Yeah, cameras are only good after the fact. You can't yeah. do nothing. You can, yeah. I mean, there are, you know, motion ones that will tell you instantly. Right. But... So, yeah. you, know, you don't monitor it 24/7. So. That's right. That's right. And the other the other part of it is too that um you know there you know some people have have done you know there's with the Prius which is a really expensive catalytic converter and it's probably one of the most valuable ones. You know companies have come out with these aluminum shields that you pop rivet to the bottom of the car and block off yeah. the catalytic converter and I have two concerns about that one is is it going to be able to breathe enough and they punch a bunch of vent holes in it and the other thing is have you changed the crash dynamics of the vehicle because you 
pop rivet, this aluminum plate in the bottom, is now the car stronger, or is it going to crumple up different and might end up hurting? Yeah, you? I, I don't, I don't know, but uh, you know, all those things concern me. And when I was coming back from Florida this year. You know, a couple times, you know, the two nights I stayed overnight in different hotels, I'm like, oh, I'm going to make sure I park under a bright light. And uh, so at least if they're cutting the catalytic converter off, they can see what they're doing, I suppose. But, you know, I'm thinking if I park under the bright light, it might keep people away. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'll get a low rider, have it go right to the ground. Yeah, like yeah there, you, the they, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, an, that's an idea. But I, I don't think yeah. I'm doing that in my, in my regular car, at least, anyway. Yeah. And on that point... Um, would the electric all electric vehicle have anything worth still? And I, I know they have precious metals in the batteries, but probably not to the extent. No, and it's too, yeah, and it's too it's too hard to get the battery out. You know, you, you need you need basically a battery tray table kind of thing because they're heavy. I mean, they're a couple thousand pounds. So I don't see yeah. that happening. Um, you know, one of the things that I've seen stolen recently is apparently people are stealing the cables off the charging systems because if you know, full of copper wire. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so nothing, you know, other than you know, in this Kia, for instance, you know, if you stole the twenty-one inch wheels and tires off of it, you know, they'd probably look good on some other car. But um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see a lot of like regular theft kind of stuff going on. But whoever thought that you know there, there would be a whole video series of stealing Kia Souls, you know? So yeah. you never know. You yeah. never know. Even the standard battery is approaching three hundred dollars now. Yeah, yeah. I put a battery in my wife's Volkswagen just before we left Florida. It was the original battery from twenty fifteen, and it was dated twenty fourteen. So it was, you know, it was what eight years old at least. Um, and it just, you know, and, and every time I started the car, I'm like, oh, I wonder how long this is going to last, and it didn't. And uh, so I, I. Um, out of convenience, I, I went over to Walmart, and uh, they they said to me, oh, we have this battery and this battery, and then they said, oh, we don't. We only have the AGM battery, which is the, the gel cell one. And although I'm not a big believer in replacing a regular lead-acid battery with a AGM battery, that's what they had. So, But that thing was 200 bucks, and that same battery at, like, one of the auto parts stores, O'Reilly's or advanced to one of them was almost 300 bucks so yeah um you know so it, it's you're right battery you know i don't know whatever happened to the 49 dollar battery <laughs> long gone yeah i just I, bought I, one from my daughter's audi it was so close to 300 dollars because it had that little vent tube on it yep yep no and <laughs> and that's what and that's what we've found you know we're in the you know we deliver batteries to you know, you can buy a battery and have it delivered if it fits, you know, if we have one that fits your vehicle. And, and uh, you know, some people say, oh, you know, you get $235 to, you know, bring a battery and install it in your driveway. And I'm like, go out and price some batteries. They're scary expensive now. Yeah, yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. <clears throat> As Junior Tomato would say, it's crazy times. It is. It is. I, uh, I, I, I expect to see him again next week for something, so. Oh, good, good. I'm All right. right. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, Jesse, you tell me, do we take a break or do we go to Tom and Weymouth? Let's get the break out of the way. Okay. Let's do that quick break. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. 
AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. The Make This the Summer Sales event is going on right now at Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Route 139 in Marshfield. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is one of the largest dealerships of its kind in New England, featuring an incredible inventory of brand new Jeep Wranglers, great customer service, and Quirk's Chrysler Certified Service Department. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is accessible from all across the South Shore, just off Route 3 at the new Exit 27. Quirk works to save you money. Quirk works for you. Visit QuirkChrysterDodgeJeepRam.com. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program. Uh, let's go to Tom and Weymouth and then Bill and Malden. Tom, good morning. I missed the beginning. How, do, how does the air conditioning system work in these EVs? I mean, do they have the typical some, system? Some, with a belt? Some, some have typical systems. Other use, others use sort of a heat pump type system, like this Kia actually uses, you know, like a... Um, you know, like a hotel has the air conditioning unit that's also a heater kind of thing. Well, those are kind of a variation of a heat pump, and these use sort of the same thing. So they use a electrically spun compressor. So it, hmm. it, it yeah, yeah. So um, and they actually some of them will actually use for the heat portion. They'll use the um, the batteries have to be cooled using uh, liquid coolant, and they'll use that to pull some of the heat out for the heat. So it uses a combination of items. But yeah, the systems are relatively simple. So uh, you could put the AC on, like, you know how some people start their cars in the winter, now in the summer they want the car cool, so you could do that with them? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Ab- and what's kind of interesting about these cars, so whether you were, say you were stuck in some crazy traffic jam, you know, like the big ice storm, or maybe there's a you know tractor trailer jackknifed on 95, and you mm. were stuck there for hours, um, battery electric cars are actually... You know, providing it had you know some battery charge in it, um, you know they can they can run run in the climate control for tens of hmm. hours. You can you can sit there for ten or fifteen hours and you know keep wow. the keep the temperature at you know seventy degrees. Wow, that's great. I'm going to let you go and let Bill get in. He probably has an important question. Okay, well, John, that, no, don't don't feel that way. <laughs> you know, yours yours no, are but important he too. He might have something on his car wrong, and he wants. You know, I've been in yeah. that situation, and yeah. I want to talk to you. Okay, all right, okay. all right, Thank good you. enough. All right, take care. Yeah. Bye bye. All right, let's talk to Bill and Malden, who maybe has an important question to ask. Couldn't well, talk. You and- <laughs> Tom, thank you very much because he was right. <laughs> uh, John, I am calling about a problem that's just come up this week with my car, and it's a 2013 Lincoln MKS. Okay. With in what they call Echo Boost, 
And it's just developed this annoying set of squeaks, no matter how flat or smooth the road is. And it just sounds like two two pieces of the car aren't sliding past each other. It happens from the front end. And it's mm. just annoying enough that you can kind of hear it. I don't know if they still use bushings. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, there there is. And if I had to guess, I would probably say it's it's probably a sway bar bushing, which, you know, they, they still okay. use. But, but that's probably the case and that should be easy enough to you know you you know get under there get under there and look at or or uh you know get it up on a get it up on a lift somewhere and take a look and see what it is but i'm willing to bet it's not is it front wheel drive or all-wheel drive it's all-wheel drive yeah 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 so so you're carrying you're carrying a little bit more weight with that but uh you know if that that when i hear of a squeak like that that's one of the first things that i usually think of okay. is it's a um it's a it's a sway bar bushing usually and um you know that's sort of very good yeah sort of the direction i would probably lean in and it okay. shouldn't it shouldn't be i mean everything's expensive now but you know if right. it is just if it is just a sway bar bushing i can't imagine it's it's too too expensive, you know. It's okay. it's probably it's probably in the. I don't know. It's probably each side's maybe forty bucks, and um, okay. you know, and maybe maybe an hour's labor to replace it. So you okay. know, a couple hundred bucks should oh. take care of it if that's what it is. Yeah, and that's that was one of my follow up questions, John. Uh, would the technicians at Sullivan Tire be able to look at that? And oh, sure. Yeah, that's that? a, that's an oh, easy that's sure. an easy one. If that's what it is, that's easy enough to. Right. That's even. And I don't think it's anything like. I mean, you have pretty sophisticated shock absorbers and stuff in that. I oh, yeah, the way you, yeah, yeah, yeah the way you describe it though, I think it sounds more like a more like a suspension rubber piece that's creaking and moaning together. And and like I said, usually when you hear that. Uh, kind of noise it usually turns into more of a sway bar bushing oh very good okay, okay. thank you and thank tom again for letting me out here all, all right that. okay all right take care bill thank bye-bye you. thank you yeah. uh speaking of you know going going to the dealer for things i actually went to the uh, hyundai dealer the other day because um and um i i go to and i i and i don't know I, I guess I don't know exactly why this is, but I go to the Hyundai dealer in Plymouth, a little small Hyundai dealer in Plymouth, uh, and it's a, a, it's a, I don't know who actually owns it. It seems like it has changed hands over the years, but it is, uh, uh, it's a nice little dealership. Uh, went in there to have the uh, anti-theft system taken care of. So it was a, it was a, it was a good experience. They, they, did exactly what they were supposed to do, fixed it. Let's see if we get to Marge from Quincy real quick. Marge, good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. Good. John, I have a 2020 Hyundai Sonata XL whatever. Yeah. It has less than 3,000 miles on it. I was just told by the dealer that there's been a rodent infestation on the harness. Yeah, on the harness. And that it's going to cost five to seven thousand dollars to fix. That is that is entirely possible if they have to replace the entire wiring harness, which is possible. Um, yeah, because they can't they because the way wiring harnesses are made now, um, trying to splice things back together is sometimes an impossibility. So what you want to do is you want to put this through your car insurance. 
Oh, yes, I'm going to. Yeah. But they also told me that the brake rotors in the front were warped. They're so probably, I mean, yeah, I, they're probably rusty from sitting still because you don't yeah. drive it that much, yeah. Um, right. If you, you know, I guess what I'd want to do once, maybe, I mean, you could certainly get the brake rotors done while it was in there, but um, if they're just looking at them for rust purposes, if they're just saying, oh, they're warped and they're rusty, well, because you, because the car doesn't go very far, um, they will get rusty and you will get a vibration, you'll get a, but sometimes just driving it, you know, 15 or 20 miles knocks all the rust off and it's fine afterwards so um so maybe what you want to do is you want to get the car back and then drive it some and see if if you drive it and you feel a vibration when you step on the brake then maybe think about then think about having the brakes done but if you drive it for 20 or 30 miles and it and it seems to stop nice and smooth after a 20 or 30 mile drive of using the brakes off and on for a while i wouldn't worry about Mm -hmm. it all right. Well, that sounds like a plan. Thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah, you, you have to watch out. You have to watch out with, and you don't know what you get for rodents. I mean, I, I've been I've been chasing chipmunks around for a while, and, and they can do the same thing, I guess. So. Yeah, but what I don't understand is it was parked between two other cars that had nothing. Yeah. No. no that. No. That absolutely. That's. That's the problem. That absolutely can happen. We had we had one of our vehicles, and we, we got we're running out of time. But we had one of our vehicles at work. I don't know what built a nest under there. It looked like a looked like a raccoon built a nest under the hood, right between two other trucks, where the other trucks were fine. So you never yeah, know. Well, the Sonata, the Sonatas use soybean composites. Yeah. So well, I'll tell you what. You listen next week. We'll talk all about soybeans and how it really doesn't make a difference. But we'll talk about that okay. next week. Okay. All, all right. right. Thanks, Thank Mike. You. Yep. Bye bye. Hey, that music means we got to go. I want to thank uh, uh, Sant Satya for joining us, uh, CEO of Lufcar, and, of course, Jesse for doing the phenomenal job he does back at the studio. So until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.